Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, once again with us. This is the first time you're listening. Welcome. Hope that you enjoy what you're about to listen to. Also, we have a Facebook page. You can go check out what we're doing, as well as proud to say that we finally have that Instagram page that I keep talking about. Woo! So um, it's the Good Music Podcast Instagram page, so go check us out there. And uh, we also have a link in the description of every episode to donate to this channel. This will allow us to continue to grow and make this a worldwide powerful podcast. That would be cool. Robust, self-sufficient. It sure would be nice. It would be great to just talk and do that for the rest of my life. My normal job is selling insurance. (laughs) So, you know... I mean, my normal job is non-existent, so that would be great if I actually had a job. Give, give Grant his first job. Yeah, give me my first job and keep listening to this podcast. Yes. So um, it'll allow you to give a monthly pledge. It's it's not very much, um, but we are looking into perhaps starting a Patreon. That'll probably be the next big thing after the Instagram page. So uh, we'll let you know if and when that ends up happening. And... Uh, Let's go ahead and jump on in. Oh, I almost forgot. Leave us a comment. Leave us a rating. Yeah. We we had someone leave us a comment on a band that they wanted us to cover, and we actually ended up covering it without seeing the comment beforehand. Well, I mean, I saw it beforehand. I hadn't seen it, (laughs) and it makes me want to get on here and make sure that we don't have any new ones. Right. But, um, because that sure would be funny. Yeah, so definitely leave a comment of bands you want to review. There's a lot of great bands out there that we want to do, but it helps us know what you guys want to hear and what you guys want to listen to. And um, even though we don't need your comments, we would really love to be able to tailor our podcast to what you guys want to listen to. So yeah, leave a comment. It also helps with all the algorithms so we can reach more people, um, which is always good. Um, leave us a review. Um, especially if it's a five-star review. Um, <laughs> just, don't, just don't be a jerk and leave us one star, <laughs> unless you just really, really hate us. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and share with whoever you think would be interested in this. Those of yes. you that have friends or family members that are big music nerds, uh, this is the podcast for them. As well as, you know, I like to view this podcast as almost like Music History 101, even though we're not moving in chronological order, Mm -hmm. although that's something we might look at in the future. Mm -hmm. Wink, wink. If we get get enough uh, support coming in, that's something that... It's a spinoff right there. Yep. Um, I like to see this as we're looking at the bands that really made the mark on the entire um, scope of music. Right. In all its different forms. So... um, I, I like to view each episode as another piece to the overall puzzle. A puzzle that perhaps may never be finished, but we're going to get as close as we can. <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump into the episode. Um, there was a tour announced um, this morning that I think might be my concert for the year that I'm going to really, I think I've got a really good shot to go see. Okay. And it's Judas Priest announcing their 50th anniversary tour. And they're going to be in Oklahoma City. Hey, look at that. Are they are they touring with anybody else? Uh, I didn't see. It might okay. just be an evening with. Because, again, this is this is a landmark year for Judas Priest. Right. Even though 
technically the members were in band in 69 70 right. was like when it kind of started to come together mm -hmm. and so um 50 years of of true heavy metal Woo! if you uh listen to our last episode we had a little bit of debate on who the the original metal band was yeah <laughs> so yeah. go check out our elton john episode to hear that discussion but what, am I, was it on elton john it might have been a motley crew well, I guess it depends on what episode we put that on. I think I think I put it on Molly Crew. I don't know. Or it might be on check our, out both of them. Or it might be both good. It might be on our Soundgarden one. I ooh, that's true. I think it's on the Soundgarden one. Okay. I'm not the one that 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 makes these edits. It's Grant here. It's he me. Sh he should know. Yeah. So rag on me if they're not that good. But yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, but. 50 years of, of Judas Priest, that's a pretty incredible thing. These guys have stood the test of time for sure. Yep. And I've never seen them live. I totally uh, miffed it when they came to Tulsa and I didn't go see them. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to really try to go to Oklahoma City for this show because I want to see Judas Priest at least once before they hang it up. Yeah. Which, I mean, who knows when that could be. It could be. I mean, because they've already switched out. Three of the members, right? They've only got two OGs left. Yeah. With um, Rob Halford and, and Ian Hill. Yeah, Ian Hill. I was going to say Scott Ian. That's not right. Scott, that's Anthrax. That's, yeah. You're thinking of uh, <laughs> Scott Travis. Uh, he's been with the band a long time, but he's only been with them since 90. Right. So. Because Painkiller was his first. Yeah. Yeah. His grand debut. Oh, that's a. That's quite that's for, a debut. <laughs> that's, for, that's for another episode right there. Oh, yeah. Um. You do have an episode of Judas Priest, don't you? Yes, but we only covered the first era. Ah. We looked at the 70s and 80s. Okay. When we come back to Judas Priest, we're going to look at the 90s and beyond. I'm excited. The second the second half of their career. That's my favorite half. It's it's hard for me to choose. Oh, no. That one's better. It's it's not better. It's, it's different. Okay, it's different. They're, they're it, great it's for their... It's different in a more good way. They're great for their own good reasons. Like, we wouldn't have the majority of metal we have if not for that first period. Right. And while okay. I prefer some of the 80s stuff to their 70s stuff, um, the 70s stuff is still, you can't take it out, as well as the 80s, man. There are some songs of theirs in the 80s that just, like, are among my favorite metal songs oh, ever. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. So... Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make a return to Judas Priest at some point, but all that to say, it literally could be any day that they decide we're done or, mm -hmm. or some circumstance causes another key member to have to step back. Right. And so, you know, I mean, they could go on maybe for another 10 years. Right. I don't see how they could. I, I don't think they will either. I don't, I don't know how Rob Halford can continue to yeah, perform the way he does. This is probably going to be their last significant tour, I think. Mm. If I if I had to guess, my prediction is that they've got one more album and and tour in them after this one. Okay. I think that this is going to be their chance to do like to do all the hits to not be burdened with playing songs off of a new record. Mhm. Mm and but I think that they'll at least do one more album and a tour to go with it. But, I mean, these guys are getting in their 70s now. 
And it is hard to play heavy metal when you're in your 70s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's hard to sing heavy metal when you're in your 70s. Especially to sing the way Rob does. Yeah. No, it's hard to sing like that when you're in your 20s. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, anyway. All right. Let's jump in. Okay. This week's episode and i think we're gonna get some really good discussion out of this i think we are too um but i'm really excited because (laughs) uh there's so many cool stories and facts surrounding this artist and his songs okay that i that i think that once you know them your appreciation deepens for him okay i'll i'm excited for that then because these songs have grown on me as i've seen uh anyway um the artist this week is Tom Petty. And the Heartbreakers. And the Heartbreakers versus Tom Petty and himself. Yes, so there is there is a distinction that has to be made because he did have a solo career. Okay. And there are – it confused me several years back whenever I was starting to get into Tom Petty and knowing some of the songs just from hearing them on the radio and looking through Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I was just like, but where's, where's Free Fallen? Where's Running Down a Dream? Where's I Won't Back Down? And then mm-hmm. – Finding out, oh, that's just Tom Petty, and right. Tom, and then the, and then we've got Tom Petty and Heartbreakers over here. Yep. So that uh, that threw me off, but um, yeah, this is a this is an artist that oh, I would say over the last five years I've really grown to love and appreciate. I didn't I didn't necess- I was indifferent to him before then, just kind of like I'd hear a Tom Petty song and go, ah, yeah, cool song, whatever. It's not metal, it's not prog, so I'm not impressed. Yeah. Well, and same. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I would say I was like, and of course I had outliers, like I loved Queen. Right. Die Hard when I was younger, but mm-hmm. also, in a way, they were also fairly complex. Because they yeah, just, they are. They, they did not write normal songs in the least bit. Um, and I would, I would say it was, I was probably like 23 or 24 when I really started to love like simple music, like music that's not, um, that's not like trying to push the limits of heaviness or technicality or being really weird and out there. Hmm. Um, it was when I kind of really started to kind of listen to just a lot of the classic records that as just something I was just like, I just, I feel like for my own sake, I need to know about this stuff. And I sat down and started to listen to it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, it's not just about how crazy can this song be, but like, this is just like simple, well-made music. And Tom Petty is an artist that through that discovery I've really really come to appreciate because it's a lot of times his song is not at all about you know we're going to do this crazy thing it's, mm-hmm. his songs are very simple oh yeah but the simplicity yeah. lets the emotion and the heart really shine through sure yeah <laughs> it lets a lot of things shine through. Yes. In my opinion, it lets his bad vocal technique shine through. Now, his bad vocal... I knew you were going to go there. I, I am going to go there because that's the first thing I noticed. And I got used to it as I listened to these songs. Like, they would get stuck in my head and stuff. Uh-huh. You know? Because I'd sing along to them because they are they have nice melodies. Um, they're good sing-along pop music. But his voice just... Oh, man. 
And and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm like a fan of weird voices. That mm-hmm. I, I like Megadeth for that reason. I like yeah. Anthrax for that reason. His yeah. voice does grow on you. The more you yeah. listen to it, it's the thing is is that it's just it's so uniquely him. Like he yeah. can't he can't masquerade as any other vocalist. Yep. He he's he's using the voice that he's been given. And mm-hmm. I, I always find that admirable about different artists. Like I think of someone like David Bowie. Mm-hmm. That has like one of the most zany weirdo voices that he just somehow makes it work and makes it his own, and and learned how to use it in all of its different qualities to create something that didn't sound like anyone else. I feel the same way about Tom Petty. His he figured out how to use his voice as a delivery for the kind of music he wanted to make, and there's just there's going to be a certain level of not every voice is for everyone. Right. There are other ones that I kind of just can't get around, mm-hmm. like, um, like Bob Dylan. I hmm. I respect the heck out of him, but I just cannot get past his voice. Okay. But I mean, you know, I'm not one to say it's like I don't like his voice, so I just I think his music sucks. And I I'm, mean, I'm not saying yeah. that's what you're saying, but hey, yeah, there are people that, that there are people that. I mean, you did that about Tool. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that way about a lot of bands. The only reason I hate them is just because I think their vocalist sucks, and because of that, their songs suck, and they're terrible songwriters, and blah, 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 blah. That's how I thought. And okay. I've I've come now to a point to where a lot of these artists, okay, I, I get it. I get why some people like them, and I respect that they made some good music. Um, bon Jovi is another one of those bands that, yeah, they wrote some great songs, but I just can't connect John Bon Jovi's voice. There's just something about it that kind of pisses me off. <laughs> I don't know about that. And I know I don't, I'm... I don't see anything wrong with his voice. His voice is great. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I don't think he has a bad voice. It's just me personally. There's just something about it that I don't like. It doesn't, okay. doesn't connect with me. Because okay. I would I would be a pretty terrible person to say that he has a bad voice. Right. He doesn't. Oh, I see what you're saying. I'm just saying I don't like it. You just okay. I get you now. So, again, Bob Dylan. It's his voice is what it is. It it serves right. the purpose it needs to. I just don't like it. Yep. I kind of even feel that way about some aspects of Axl Rose's voice. There are certain songs where I'm just like, ooh, this is hard to listen to, but it's... Oh, it's a, no, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, There's very few for me, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I've But Tom Petty is one that initially I was in that camp, mm-hmm. and the more I've listened to it, the more I'm just like, okay, I can't imagine his... I wouldn't want his voice to sound any other way, because it's, it's Tom Petty. Um... So, yeah, let's talk about who are the heartbreakers. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so well, you're I, have to I wasn't ex- I wasn't well, expecting well, you to tell so, me. <laughs> I guess um, let's talk time frame. So when did Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers come around, and how did that happen, and who was like the catalyst? Well, so yeah, we'll we'll talk about their story because they have a okay. great story. Um. They're originally based out of Gainesville, Florida, okay. which is really, I feel like not a lot of rock and roll has come out of Florida. Florida. 
Uh, well, mm. I mean, I could be wrong. But, I mean, as yeah. far as that kind of rock and roll, mm-hmm. um, although a band that we're going to talk about next week also comes from Florida, so Ooh. I might be eating my words here a little bit. Look at that. Um, and, of course, you know, you can't ignore that Tampa is the death metal capital of the United States, so we've got, it's I, got I, that thought, I thought you could. Because I didn't know that until right now. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, cool. That's, that's where all the classic death metal, American death metal records were made. The okay. year, the year in P in capital, all there's two, was Gothenburg and Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, yep, Scandinavia, that'll do it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but obviously, it, it really does start with Tom Petty. He was the one that was driven to to make it, to have a band. And he's the one that kind of persuaded all the other members to you know, quit what they were doing and follow him. <laughs> I I was just reading his story. Just, it was amazing the number of times that he persuaded people to give up logical life paths to go on this crazy adventure with him. <laughs> like, he even convinced his guitar player to quit school before he, like, high school, to oh go gosh. on the road full-time with him. Okay. And it ended up being, obviously, the right decision, because... Right. Uh, so, the first guy that he hooked up with was Mike Campbell, mm-hmm. who, in my opinion, is one of the underrated guitar players out there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He has become a legend, mm-hmm. um, but obviously he's not known for being like this shred guy, or right. you know, he didn't like pioneer a lot of new styles, but he's just he was just a master at what he did. He was an incredible songwriter. He wrote a lot of the music for the band. And he's been the one constant with Tom Petty, even in his solo career. He took Mike Campbell with him. And uh, Mike Campbell is actually now currently uh, the new guitarist for Fleetwood Mac after Lindsey Buckingham got the boot. Hmm. Which uh, you should go check out our Fleetwood Mac episode to learn more about that band. So many plugs in this episode. Yep. Well, that's 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 the goal is to have you guys check out all of our our extensive back catalog. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so he, the way the way he even met Mike Campbell was hilarious because he was jamming with a completely different band. Tom mm-hmm. Petty was. Yeah. And they needed a second guitar player, and his friend was like, Mike. You know how to play guitar, right? And he just heard him from the other room. Yeah, it's like, you want to come play with us? Okay. And he was like way <laughs> younger than the rest of the guys in the band. And he just came in and Tom Petty said that he was blown away. I was just like, all right, that's my guitar player. He's mine. Hmm. Quit school. Come with me. And we're going to make it. Wow. And um, and this this was year? This was late 60s. Okay. So, um, you know, they... They were very much influenced hugely by the Beatles, and but particularly, I would say, Tom Petty's biggest influence comes from the fifties. They, mm-hmm. you know, his love for Chuck Berry and Elvis, and there's a lot of Beatles influence. Yeah, and the Beatles is, I would say, it's it's the melding of those two things. I would mm-hmm. say, I would say maybe even Chuck Berry's influence shines a little even more, especially in Mike Campbell. The way that he approaches a lot of his guitar parts, he kind of will have the expression, "What would Chuck do if he doesn't know? Uh, if he doesn't know what kind of guitar line to write, he kind of goes back to how would Chuck Berry play this mm-hmm. part." 
and uh, it's kind of like a guiding light for him. But just Tom Petty was a big believer in the um, the root and the heart of rock and roll, mm-hmm. not kind of all of the subshoots and of where rock and roll had gone in the seventies and the sixties, but kind of just like where did rock and roll start, and how do we move it forward from that place? Aha. Uh-huh. And so, uh-huh. okay. and so that really influences kind of how they wrote their songs. Uh, it made me laugh when I heard Mike Campbell say that the band's slogan was "Don't bore us, get to the chorus." <laughs> I mean, it, it, the songs are like that. I mean, within a minute, you're to the chorus. But he, uh, Tom Petty, had said that he was very um, turned off by where rock and roll was in the mid '70s. Mm-hmm. When when the heart him and the heartbreakers really started to come onto the scene, just like he wasn't a fan of, you know, eight minute meandering epics that have that have. Uh, I mean, what's wrong with that? I know. I mean, it's. I'm not saying that he's like. I, he I was feel like right. that's an attack on twenty one twelve right there. Yeah, I, I think he was. He was. He was going against what Led Zeppelin was doing at that time, and he wasn't a fan of just like you know that's. And some bands were were doing it in the wrong way. Like rock was like becoming in, in Agata de Vida or whatever. Well, that's it is. that was the sixties. Well, that was still that was like seventeen minutes of the same thing. Yeah, but he <laughs> uh, he was talking about just like in the mid seventies, rock was really bloated and really um, kind of overdrawn and very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I overproduced, overdone. Overproduced, yeah. overdone. There's a. It was very gratuitous and very wow. decadent, and just very kind of in some ways up its own butt. And it was the reason why rock and roll had such a hard crash in the mid '70s hmm. um, when punk and disco came onto the scene, and and in a, also another way, new wave. They just about killed rock and roll. You can't kill rock and roll. That's, That's what I'm saying. Say. You can't, but they it almost did. There were there were a few holdouts, Tom Petty being one of them, one of the ones that kept rock and roll alive during that time because he took rock and roll back to its roots. It's the reason why he became so popular, in my mm. opinion. Okay. Is that he kind of brought the, the true spirit of rock and roll back. Right. Um, from, you know, from the... And again, these were right in their time, but they just couldn't continue. The Bohemian Rhapsodies of, of the mid seventies, the Cashmere's, the mm-hmm. these these overdrawn big rock epics. You know, the the public was tired of them. They didn't want them anymore. Well, that's sad. Yeah, and a lot of bands either adapted or they good. died. A lot of bands died in the in the mid to late seventies, including Zeppelin. Mm. You know, yeah, Led Zeppelin broke up. When John Bonham died, but they were making some of the worst music of their career right Wait, before John then. Bonham died. Yeah, did you? Did I we not, not? Did we not talk about that in the Led Zeppelin episode? Did we? He's been dead since 1980. Huh. Huh. Okay. In fact, he died on my he died on my birthday in 1980, September 25th. That is so weird. I hope no one facts checks me on that because I'm not 100% sure. I thought I had seen that somewhere. Okay. Uh, but I do know that, yeah, he died in 1980. Mm-hmm. And that's when Led Zeppelin was just like, okay, we're done. But the two albums before he died were the weakest of their career by far. And The Who was in bad shape. 
in oh, the mid right, to late seventies. Long songs too. Uh huh. Um, you know, Aerosmith. They were huge in the early to mid seventies. By the late seventies, they were. They kind of made a comeback though. But they they, they run, were able to run DMC. But not till ten years later. Right. You know, it wasn't until the late eighties that they kind of found their footing again. But yeah. that was a dark time for them. Um, you know, a lot of those bands that you know all the all the prog groups except for Rush. Uh, really died by the mid-70s. Yes was no longer functioning. Genesis was in a big transitional period of trying to figure out how to not be a big prog band anymore. You know, That's a weird thing, though, because, I mean, Rush was still making those big epics up until... I know. They were a weird outlier. 70... Till, till 78, yeah. Yeah. And then 78 one, was Hemispheres. And then after that... And then it, they started to tone it down and... And moving pictures and stuff. Permanent waves, yeah. That's true, um, permanent ways, yeah. But then, you know, you look at, like, Black Sabbath was in the worst part of their career at that point. They kind of wrote longer, more complex songs in yeah. a way. Um, you know, Judas Priest hadn't broken big yet. That wouldn't be really till 80. Oh, right, because you still have all those, like, proto-metal guys. Yep. So, starting up. I say all that to say... Um, Rock, I would say, in, like, 77, and, like, 76, 77, 78 was a really tough year for rock and roll. Mm-hmm. It's when it, it's, it, it had to almost die yes, in order to have... those three years were a tough year to, for rock To have, roll. like, this, this, this <laughs> grand rebirth, largely yeah. in thanks due to Van Halen. They, they kind of... Oh, yeah. The, among the biggest to resurrect rock and roll, which... And, and Kiss. No, no. Because they found Van Halen. Well... Yeah. So really, who is it? Yeah, but Kiss. <laughs> um, if you're talking about Kiss as a band, they also were dying. They were they were in one of their biggest slumps in the late seventies. They didn't do the long songs though. Well, they they were pop artists. But again, they they also represented the 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 big glam, all the makeup and the big stage. Oh. Like that was also going out of style. People were just like, no, we don't want that. That's why punk was so effective right. was, you know, we're, you know, not putting any theatrics on anything. We're not going to produce it. We're just going to wear what we would wear on the streets and play simple, fast music as rock and roll should be. Mm. Tom Petty in a way kind of fit in with the punks, except that he didn't have the hard abrasive sound. He took the punk approach, but, took it to um the, more, the rock and roll composition more yeah and more harmonic and pleasant sounding music mm. okay it but the spirit of punk was still there of of taking all the excess fat and just here's rock and roll in its purest form yep. it was just a little different from what punk was doing where it was fast it was edgy it was mean it was Slayer. aggressive and what would become thrash yeah, yeah. thrash is, was the mix of metal and punk and so that's why Tom Petty, he's, he had his biggest rise during this transitional movement of rock and roll. Because he was the only rock and roll artist to do the, the new punk style he with, was, without being abrasive. He, well, he wasn't the only one. That's also technically what New Wave was, but he didn't sound like New Wave. New Wave was also a spirit of punk, but it was also mixing the emerging electronic and avant-garde songwriting. So that's where you get the police and the talking heads. And I mean, there's some keyboards in his stuff. Yeah, not... But it's not keyboard central. It was, it was when I say keyboards in New Wave, I mean more synthesizer-type things. 
towards okay, more, not like the more, Hammond organ. more keyboard lines rather than pure piano organ. Yeah, which is what Tom Petty had. Gotcha. Um, speaking of another key member of his band is Ben Montench, who is a great, great keyboard player. And he's the keyboard player. Yeah, he's he was with him the whole time. Okay. Yeah, a, and a loyal member. They are not still together no, because Tom, Tom Petty had Tom, his own career. And Tom Petty died a couple years ago. Oh. Yep. And so Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers started or started coming on the scene at around 75. 76 was their debut album. Okay. And then So they had a band before that though called Mudcrutch, which was okay. um it was Benmont, Mike Campbell and Tom Petty and then they had a different drummer and bass player. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And they tried really hard to make it big as Mudcrutch. And the studio executives pretty much told them, um, you know, we don't we don't want to do anything with Mudcrutch, but we want to move forward with Tom Petty. We think that he could be a star. And so originally Tom Petty was just like, well, I'm going to take Mike with me and I'm going to see you guys later. Bye. And then um, kind of later on was just like, okay, Benmont, you can come with us. <laughs> and got a new drummer and bass player and went to town on that. Um, their first album didn't really do well. It did really well in Europe, but it didn't really hit in America. Are any of the songs on here from the Yes, okay. um, two of them are. Cool. cool. We'll talk about a little more about that in depth when we get to the song section. And their career went until? Until he died. They were still making new music. Oh. So he did, he did not break up the Heartbreakers to do his own solo. That but was he, just in he between. He started his solo career, or it was it was an on and off kind of. It was just it was kind of like they would alternate. You know, he does a solo album, then he'll get with the Heartbreakers and do that album, then he'll go do a solo album. Huh. Okay. Um, but Tom Petty was making some incredible music all the way up until the 2010s. Mm-hmm. That was just he had such a long career, a long fruitful career. Because of the fact that he didn't really follow trends as much, it helped that he had the philosophy he did at the time that he came on. He yeah. kind of was able to um, fit in with that ethos of rock yep. and roll needs to change. Yep. But when he gets to the 80s, he doesn't start like making his stuff sound 80s. He really um, was able to stay true to himself while... Um, the 80s were going on to where he didn't get dated. Um, and then the 90s, he actually, I would say he got even bigger in the 90s because he kind of was able to hit on that that throwback sound that got really big in the 90s. Oh, yeah. The, kind of the MTV unplugged sound. Right. He really fit in with that well because that's kind of who he was at his core anyway. He didn't change to fit it. It just happened that, you know his style of music became really in vogue in the 90s, and he had some of his biggest hits during that time, including one of the songs we're going to talk about here in the set. Cool. Um, And then in the 2000s, continuing to make stuff with the Heartbreakers, he even revived Mudcrutch and finally got made an album with them in the 2010s. With two other Yeah, with the two original members. Nice. And of course, you know, he still had Mike and Benmont with them. Right. And yeah, they, because he died while they were on tour. He died, I want to say he died in 2017? That recent. Yeah, it was in 2017, I think. And it was sudden. Hmm. He was in the middle of tour, and I believe the story was that he was was over-medicated for um, 
a hip fracture. Hmm. And that he just, like, it was it was kind of one of the deaths that spurred the opioid crisis as far as, like, celebrities that. Right. Because he just, he unknowingly either took too much or he combined two legal drugs mm-hmm. together and it just, like, he died in his sleep. I mean, there are worse ways. Yeah, but it was, it was, he, he didn't have a drug problem at that time. Mm-hmm. He, you know, wasn't, he didn't intentionally do that to himself. Right. It was literally like, just he was mis, uh, misdosed or either, or misprescribed to where he was given the wrong drugs together or given too much, too strong of a drug. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I was really, really. In fact, it was when he died that I really started to dig into his songs and <laughs> and discovered a lot of songs. I was just like, oh my gosh, Tom Petty was a genius. And yeah. that's kind of when I really, really came to love him, was yeah. after he died. Um, but he was, yeah, the Heartbreakers stayed together through that whole time. That's cool. Yeah. And... and most of the same guys, um, they they would switch out drummers and bass players, but that that core three mm-hmm. stayed together through the whole thing. How many uh, how many records did they do? I want to say they did like nine or ten since seventy five. I mean, because seventy six. So I mean, you know, once maybe. once they hit the nineties, you know, especially when he was trading off between his work and mm-hmm. his solo it work, died down. you know, he didn't he didn't release too many albums at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's, he spent a lot of his time touring in the 2020s. Right. Um, but yeah, so the story of kind of, it was their third album that really made them big with Damn the Torpedoes. Mm-hmm. We got two songs from that album on our list. Okay. Uh, that was the album that really made them into superstars hmm. and just, you know, that album, I think, is just a masterpiece work as far as just how everything sounds. I think it's one of the best-sounding albums of the 70s. Would that be 78? 79. Mm-hmm. It took him a long time to get the album out because he was going through a big legal battle. Ooh. So another reason Tom Petty, very important, he was really kind of the first artist to champion musicians having the rights to their own songs. That's weird. Because that was not at all a thing that happened before then. Wait, okay. The studios That's, owned. The oh, studios owned your work. I got you. The record labels I got owned you your now. work. Okay. Um, because of that, unless you were like Led Zeppelin level famous, you didn't make any money. The record executives took all the money that you would make. You would literally make pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. And so you know, they're three albums in, starting to get fairly successful and they like are completely broke and you know a lot of bands didn't make it because of that because they're you know working their butts off touring and recording you know making sometimes two albums a year and they're barely having anything to show for it unless they can like you know have a number one record or have number one singles on the radio you know it was pretty much like you know good luck yeah and tom petty was just like this just isn't right and mm-hmm. so he sued his record company, mm. um, saying that, you know, if you look at it like this, an artist should have ownership of his work. 
Right. And so he was in the middle of that um, that legal process while making that third record. Mm-hmm. And, like, had to stop making the record so he could go on a tour to make money to support his legal battle. Mm. And they literally called it the lawsuit tour. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And but he won in the end. Well, good. I mean, I a, would I would assume cuz we kind of take that as a given now. Uh-huh. And he was also a fighter of high record prices. He he fought to keep record prices down for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um his fourth when his highly anticipated fourth album came out, um I want to say like records were like 5 or 6 bucks back then, a new record. And they were going to try and price it as nine ninety nine, and he thought to himself, "That is outrageous. No one can afford a nine ninety nine record." Which, I mean, you think about it now, like that's that's so crazy. Well, but I mean, yeah, but still, I'm not going to pay ten dollars for a record now. I would. I mean, I'm a, I'm an avid record. Get it, get it off Spotify now. Yeah, but I also <laughs> love having physical copies of my music. There's just something very that's that's true. I mean, I, th- I think that. I think that twenty one twelve vinyl that I have over there was like twenty. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. I'll I'll if I have the money for it, if it's a good record, I'll pay forty fifty dollars for it because wow. it's, that's it's 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 something that I'll have with me the rest of my life. I got gotcha. you. It's a it's a, it's a it's a physical copy that I can connect with. Okay. And in my opinion, it just it sounds better on the vinyl. You can really there's there's a weird way that you can hear layers. When you listen to vinyl, you can hear the depth of a record. Like you, you'll hear a drum track and you'll go, "Wow, I feel like that's like, like, locationally bottom of the mix," and I've never noticed that before. Hmm. Okay. I can't even explain it properly. I, I, I have really. Oh my gosh! I've tried to listen to that through vinyl. And to me, it seems like the, or not listen to anything specific, but listen to vinyl records mm-hmm. that I've heard digitally before. And it to me, it seems like the same kind of, you know, two amps are better argument where it's like, there's so much warmth to the tube amp. It's so much better or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, I don't understand it. Hmm. Like I get it. Like if you like tube amps, but now, it, they sound the same and the same thing with vinyl. It sounds the same to me. You also got to make sure that you uh, listen with headphones. That's the best way to listen to vinyl. You need to get over. Oh my you goodness! You need to plug in headphones. Have them be the over-the-ear kind. Right. Because that's how people listen to records back in the day. Mm-hmm. They would they would go in their room, put the record on, put their headphones on, and like sit and listen. Right. And I mean so. that's that's what I do. It's just through YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, long. Divergent. He that, that was a big yeah. He really he really fought and he succeeded. He said like you know either you're gonna put the um, you're gonna put the price down to where it's supposed to be or I'm not gonna release the record. Ooh. And again, they were just they learned the the record executives learned the hard way. You know, Tom Petty doesn't bluff. If he says that he's gonna fight us on something, he will fight us. Mm-hmm. We lost last time, so. Fine, let's just do what he says. <laughs> and, Smart move. And that was something, through this research, learning about him, that I really came to admire about him, was yeah. that he was a rebel. And he rebelled hard against the record label um, structure. 
and he was really among the first to institute change. Like, the fact now that someone can write music and not own it, to not have control of their masters, um, is really insane. Yeah. Um, but back then, no one did. Mm-hmm. And Tom Petty was among the... F- I, I can't say positive that he was the first, but I would say that he was probably the first major artist to just step up and go, you know what, I don't care what you do to me. I don't care how much you sue me for. I don't care if you try and ruin my career. I will not stop until I see this right. That's and, respectable. And he won. Go Tom Petty. He's he's very stubborn, but very persistent man. And that was something learning about it that I was just like, wow, my respect for you just went way up. Same. Because that, in my opinion, that's rock and roll. Yep. You fight against the power. Yeah, you rage you against were, the machine. Exactly. <laughs> he was a rebel. Mm-hmm. He just he, his he didn't express that rebellion in aggressive songs. Yeah, he he expressed it in the way that he fought for what he thought was right, Woo. and in a way that's its own incredible form of rock and roll. Yep. So with that, we're gonna go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're gonna dive into these songs a little more. So stick with us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished talking about Tom Petty and his wonderful crusade against the record companies. And now we're going to get into talking about the six songs that we chose. So I'm going to let Lucas explain the songs. Yeah, so if you have never listened to an episode before, what we're doing here is we're picking six songs to kind of do a little bit more of a deep dive into who Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers were. And um, the way that I'm picking these songs is I'm not just picking what I think are the six best songs or what their six most popular songs are. Um, I'm picking six songs that if you've never listened to him before, this is going to give you the best possible first impression. Mm -hmm. So it's going to tell you kind of what they're all about. I'm not throwing in deep cuts really or experimental songs. Like these are the songs that are going to get you hooked as well as – I'm picking songs that are going to have a emotional arc from start to finish. So that way you start in one spot and you end in a very specific ending spot. Right. So I want the songs to transition well off of each other. Um, It's not just a random ordering. Yeah. So that way when you sit down and you listen to them, you hopefully feel satisfied at the end. Yeah. (laughs) So if you want to check out these songs, and if you have not heard these songs, definitely check out these songs. Uh, There's a link in the description of the episode that takes you to our Spotify playlist where you will find all of these songs as well as all the songs from previous episodes that we've done. And um, I would highly recommend that you follow the playlist and listen to these songs. So let's talk about the first song on the set. The first song is Refugee off of their self-titled album. Nope. It's no. off of Dan the Torpedoes. No way. Yep. Okay. It's the, it's the leading song off the album too. So it's the first song? Yep. Okay. It's uh, a good first song. Oh, yeah. This is my favorite Tom Petty song. So we're, we're starting strong here with my favorite. 
Yes. This was the song that convinced me that I liked Tom Petty. Okay. Um, have you ever watched the documentary on Sound City? No. Wait. Yes. That Dave Grohl made? Yes. So there's a pretty substantial part of the documentary where Tom Petty's talking about making that record mm -hmm. there. And he specifically is talking about how they were making Refugee and saying how they did about a hundred or so takes of that song. Because the way that they Tom, did it live, so the way Tom Petty records is that they record the entire song live mm -hmm. in one go. They don't splice together. They don't. Wow. They don't combine multiple takes. Like, that would be oh my gosh. Yeah. So they they performed live, which like you know is a pretty. That'd I mean, a most bands back in the day did that mm -hmm. because there was no other way to do it. But by the time Tom Petty came around, right. you could put together different takes together. Yeah. And he chose not to. He wanted to capture a full performance. Now, there were things that were overdubbed. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I want to say that his vocals were overdubbed later. But, you know, the whole band, like, they they, they did it right there. What you hear on the record was, Is what one, you would hear was one take. Although it was not the first take. Yeah, well... And that's not to say that that's how they approached they, how they had to do all their songs. Mm -hmm. There are several songs on that album that they did in one or two takes. Mm -hmm. There was just something about crafting the sound of Refugee mm -hmm. that they just slaved over it and just did it over and over. They joke about how the record was done and they still thought that they could have done Refugee better. <laughs> Thinking, well, what if we did it this way? Yeah. What if we did it that way? But that's kind of the thing that I love listening to about this song is you can hear all of the care that they put into it. Mm -hmm. The song just sounds so good. Sonically, it's just so rich. It just yeah, that's hits true. you hits you with that wall of sound, but not in a muddy way. It's just everything is just very cohesive. Particularly the way that the guitars and the organs blend together. Oh yeah. It's so good. And the drums, holy crap. <laughs> it's one of the best sounding... So there's those offbeat hits there. Yeah. Yeah, and just the way that the drums sound, the way that they're mixed, the way that they mic'd them. Like, they, they talked in pretty good detail about how they wanted to have the best sounding drums yeah. that anyone had ever heard. Yeah. And I'm hard to deny that they achieved that. Especially for the '70s, before you, before Phil Collins introduced gated drums. Oh, oh and yeah! This is pre in the air tonight. So that's true. It's you listen to the '70s, and there there are bands that that cracked how to have a good drum sound. But a, I would say the biggest weakness of the '70s sound is the drums. Yeah, they there's a lot of deep, hollow, reverby drums throughout yep. the '70s. Or they have just really dry, weak-sounding drums. Really boxy. There's yes. a lot of really boxy John Bonham drumming. Yeah. Which, which if... It's nothing, nothing on him. Which John, John Bonham mixed. can pull that off, but yeah. other people are not John Bonham. Right. So I just... I felt like they really cracked the code mm -hmm. on drumming. And I feel like... A, and a lot of people copied them going forward. Mm -hmm. Of just, like... It was kind of like, okay, this is how we record drums. And so mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite things is just listening to how the drums sound. And 
Um, this song, to me, just, I just love it. I, I, I do, too. I mean, when I first heard this song, I knew I was into, like, a whole pop artist. Mm-hmm. And so, through listening to all these songs, this one was the one that I always, like, got stuck in my head, and I always came back to it, and I would sing along to it. Yeah, oh, and, that chorus is so good. And, yeah, and so, that's that's why it became my favorite song, is because it's of a era and a genre that I rarely ever listen to. Mm-hmm. Which you're going to listen to a lot more as you go with me on this journey of right. podcasting. Right, but this song I always came back to. And maybe it's just because it's the beginning of the set, and you know... You yeah, it, you but this, this song does have a little bit of that extra magic. There's just something a little more special... Yeah. All the other songs are really good, but there's there's just this little extra oomph to this song. The way, I guess, it's almost like the, the melodic phrasing mm-hmm. is a little more unique on this song. Yeah. Um, the way that the, they're playing, and again, I think that contributes to the 100 plus takes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, funny story about how they were also going through this legal case. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact that they were... Um, defying the record executives and because until the sentencing they had control of his music mm-hmm. they also had control of the music he was currently writing mm. and so at the end of every recording recording session they would have to hide the tapes that they were using oh my goodness and, the, and tom petty told one of his assistants he's like i want you to choose the place and i don't want you to tell me where you took them so mm-hmm. that way if they ever ask me where are your tapes i can truthfully tell them i don't know I don't know where they are. <laughs> and he's joked about how, um, you know, every time they packed up, like, they would have, you know, hundreds of rolls of tape and 90% of it would be different takes of refugee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, like, they had to record under a false name. They had to call the album something else, almost kind of like how film productions, like, go under fake names so people don't... Uh, crash the set trying to right. figure out what they're doing especially if they're filming on location yeah um but yeah so they just they had like tons and tons and tons of unused refugee takes mm-hmm. where they're just like that's not right do it again man but i think it was the right decision because they really made something special the guitar yeah. all the guitar little lines that would come in in between the vocal where he would just go during the verses and very oh, yeah. very classic 50s almost has a little bit of country in it um okay it has that I little bit it. it has a little bit of twang in the guitar that was mm-hmm. another thing tom petty always had just a little bit of country in him it, yeah and you can you can see a lot of that stuff in a lot of the later songs yeah which um, we'll get into later obviously um, yeah yeah uh and then the organ solo was really good mm-hmm. the the organ guitar trade-off yeah that was notable i but i will say this song if you're not used to tom petty's voice the opening verse is mm-hmm. just jarring yeah it's just not not pleasant to your ears now having listened to it you know about Five, six, I remember times. when we listened to the first time, you heard that and you were like, "Yeah, well, my face or the face he's making is like he just ate a lemon." Yeah, um, but not the good kind of lemon face. Uh huh. Like not... you were very, you were very like, "Wait a second. Yeah, this. I don't think I like this. Yeah, I was like, "This is the good music podcast, Lucas. Like, why are we listening to this?" But I figured it out pretty quick. Yeah. That you know. Oh yeah, and 
his his voice does legitimately sound really good on the chorus. Yeah, it's it's unorthodox. Mm-hmm. But again, it's him. In, but in the same way that every other iconic weird singer is unorthodox. Uh-huh. He's Nobody just... sounds like Tom Petty. Yeah, exactly. So. so let's go ahead and move on to the next song. All right. Um, is it Don't Do Me Like That? No. It's I Need to Know. No, Don't Do Me Like That. It's the third one. Yes. So. Oh, spoiler alert! Well, hey, they it's in the description. <laughs> yeah, it is. But they could have gone to Spotify anyway. Yeah. Okay, but... Um, Need to know. This one's faster. Isn't yes. It? So this is off their second album. Okay. Which was, um, in a way, an improvement and a step back from their first album. It can't be both. I'll, I'll, in different ways. <laughs> okay. So, like, um, commercially, it was a step forward. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, songwriting-wise and creatively, it's a step backwards. Okay. Although this is, like, the shining star on the album. This is mm-hmm. definitely the best song on the record, and... And one of the first Tom Petty songs I ever heard. Okay. And just kind of was one of the first ones I was just like, oh yeah, I'll go, I'll I'll put this on my personal listening list and listen to this more because this is a great song. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there is definitely more aggression, kind of more aggression than you'll ever hear in a Tom Petty song. Right. And this was definitely when punk was really moving forward. Yeah. This kind of has a bit of a punk edge to it. Yeah, it does. But with a but with that throwback, uh, like the the guitar solo is so fifties, absolutely. Like that's a Chuck Berry guitar solo where it's you know it's that that and then the piano going in the back. It's yeah, just, it's yep, very yep. classic rock and roll, especially like in the in the parts in between the lines in the chorus where he's the mm-hmm. dun, 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 you know yeah yeah you can't it, miss it. It's a hooky song. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so this, this album, the first album just started to chart when the second record came out. Hmm. And so, you know, this, this album and this song in particular was kind of the big hit on the album was definitely the one that kind of moved them towards closer to being big stars. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, damn torpedoes comes out and they become one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but definitely this song, they owe a lot to it. So. Yep. The, to me, this was a this was a non-event of a song, to be honest. Compared I mean, to a lot of the other songs. Yeah, I guess you could say there's not a lot to distinguish it. It's right. a perfectly fine song. Yeah, and, and all of these songs, I mean. This song definitely yeah. serves the six song arc. Kind of keeps yes. the energy moving forward. Yeah. And it's kind of just like, a, oh yeah, this is a this is a one-two punch. It's a very short song. That's true, it There's, is. It's, you know, again, Tom Petty is not at all known for his long songs. Yeah. But yeah, there kind of isn't a whole lot to talk about with this song, but it's definitely worth listening to. Yes. And definitely shows that Tom Petty is capable of that um, of that more harder edge to him, but he never yes. really got harder edge than that. And and all of these songs do have their own unique sound and style, and they're it's easy to tell the difference between the songs. Like when we were mm-hmm. doing U two, yeah, and Tool, mm-hmm. uh, kind of some of the songs kind of ran together in my head. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but these songs, I'm I'm still able to keep them separate because they're very distinct. Yeah. And that's something that's really cool, even though he ha- he's using the same instruments and the same band mm-hmm. and, and, and all that. Yeah. yeah. He never, he never through his career, like, radically changed his sound. He would change it in small ways, 
but he kind of always like made Tom Petty music. And he's never cookie cutter either. Yeah. Which is and great. It's amazing how simple he could be and yet how unique he could be. Yes. Because, again, there's bands that are unique because they're trying ideas that are so weird that no one's even thinking of them or able to pull them off. Right. His songs are so simple and it's just like, you know, in a way you could think anyone could have written that, but then at the same time, only Tom Petty could have written it. It's this weird... Yeah. Because it's, uh, I guess you can say anyone could have played that. Yes. But only Tom Petty could have written it. It's he writes true to his heart. Yeah. And in my opinion, that's what the mark of a great artist. Can you write true to your heart and at the same time connect with a large group of people? Yeah. So let's go ahead and move on to our third song. Don't do me like that. Which is a really funny song to hear my three-year-old son sing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Uh, just oh, I, no. we were driving in the back and the chorus came on. I hadn't even like like talked to him. I was just like, yeah. I just he's all of a sudden really don't do me like that, don't do me like that, and it made me <laughs> laugh so hard. <laughs> oh man. And yep. I'll ask him. What's your favorite Tom Petty song? Don't do me like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this, so this is a song that I've heard on the radio. Yes, this was one of their biggest hits. This is another Damn the Torpedoes song. Okay. Uh, but funny enough, this song actually is from Mud Crutch. This was one of the huh. earliest songs that they ever wrote. And it really like shocked me when I learned that. Because I was watching a documentary of theirs, and they were uh, showing like the early days in Mud Crutch. And they were on stage singing Don't Do Me Like That. And it almost sounded exactly like... Like, the drum intro was the same, all the parts were the same, the lyrics were the same. Like, it was literally, like, a finished song that they just shelved, and then when they did Damn the Torpedoes, they came back and was just like, oh yeah, we wrote this great song, let's let's use this. And this was one of the songs, they, they said that they did this song in one take, and it was done, because they pretty much already knew it. Right. But it's one one of their best songs. Hmm. So it just shows that even in that early era, they were still writing these great hits. Yeah. And just, you know, it, it kind of just went undiscovered for about eight or so years until hmm. they were ready to... Oh, yeah, until they were... Ready to finally, properly make it and issue it. Yeah. Um, but this this song is... I just, I love the drums again on this song, that, that opening... That always, yep. that always caught my eye. The first time I heard this song, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yep, with the with the piano kind mm-hmm. of accompanying it as well. Yeah, and the organ throughout yep. the song. And yep. Yeah, this this song is just, this song's a kicker. Yep. Um, they're, oh, these songs, I keep saying they're, or I keep thinking they're like non-events because there's, they're, they're not experimental. Yeah. They're just they're just pure songs. songs. So it's like it's hard to talk about them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. And I'm, I'm I got to tell myself to not feel bad about it because, you know, we're not having any like oh yeah they, there's this weird sound that they put in here or mm-hmm. you know we can just talk about yeah this is a great song let's talk about the things that we liked about it, and then you know it's okay for us to move on because yep. we also spent a lot of time in our first section so I think, yeah that's I think true. we can we benefit did. a little bit and in a way we can let these songs kind of speak for themselves. I think I think that's. So, I think this would be a great time for that to happen. Yeah. Go listen to the songs, guys. Yeah. After you listen to us. 
let's let's uh, <laughs> let's leave a little bit to the imagination. But yeah, this this song is a really great song. Mm-hmm. Um, so now let's move on to the fourth song. This is our my one song that I picked from their '90s era. This song has a very interesting way that I discovered it. Okay. I was listening to something. I can't remember what it was. But Megadeth's Mary Jane came on. And so I'm like, ooh, I want to go listen to this song. So I go to YouTube and I look up Mary Jane and I'm like, ooh, it's a cover of a Tom Petty song. <laughs> and then I listen to it and it's, of course, it's not the same at all. Yeah. But that that was the first Tom Petty song I like intentionally listened to because I wanted to This was the one the song elements. when we were listening to it that you were like, oh, I, I know would, this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was this was the one song that growing up that I just heard on the radio over and over and over again. Mm. But now I love this song because it's just, it's just, it's, again, this is, you can hear that he's definitely matured. Yeah. Not saying that he was immature before, right. but it's like his sound has changed. Mm-hmm. Like it's he's get a little bit more of that that country, but not the bad kind of country. It's kind of, you know, very um very rootsy, very Yeah. It's got it's got more of a pure blues to the way the guitars played, the harmonica in there definitely adds <laughs> that southern flavor to it. And and his voice has progressed. Yeah. His voice has gotten to the point where it's still him, but it's it's technically Mm-hmm. impressive as well yeah and th- i think this is just proof that um that he was still such a good songwriter 20 years into his mm-hmm. career he has stood the test of time uh-huh so the way that this this was not on an album well it was but it was a new song on a greatest hits record hmm and you know how artists will do that sometimes? Like, they'll no. release... <laughs> it actually happens quite often. They'll release a Greatest Hits record, and then, as a promotional tool, and it'll also feature a brand new song that's, that is going to be a future hit, kind of like... Oh, it's yeah. like a promotional... Like, Foo Fighters did it on their Greatest Hits. They had, mm-hmm. like, two new songs on there. Uh, the Killers did it on theirs. Um, and just other other bands have done it, to where they release a Greatest Hits, but then they also have something that's... That ends up really not becoming a future greatest hit. Right. But Tom Petty did. It became one of their most iconic songs. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that was, you know, it was ballsy, but at the same time it paid off. Which everyone says it's about, you know, doing the wacky weed. I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. You listen to the lyrics and it doesn't make sense. No. I mean, if you listen to the chorus, you can... Yeah, I mean... But if you listen to any of the verses, it's not... It's it's, it's about a girl. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's telling a completely different story. Right. So, um... I always got the sense that, um, it was from the perspective of a stalker Hmm. that, um, was obsessed with Mary Jane, and in the end is the one that kills her, and that's his last dance, is that he is, um, with her dead body. Oh my goodness. It's a dark song. But, like, you look, you look at the music video and you kind of get that sense of that's what it's about. Um, and that's just, that's the interpretation I always pulled from it, is that it's... I can see it, though. It's that's this, the scary it's, thing. It's this dark, uh, like, kind of almost like unrequited love. This guy that's just following this girl around. He's kind of out of his mind. And he, mm-hmm. he wants not, that Mary Jane is his drug. Oh. And it's a play on words of, you know, yeah, you've got 
Mary Jane marijuana, but uh-huh. the girl Mary Jane in of herself, that's who he's addicted to. And he takes that all the way up to killing her. That's my I don't know if that's wow. correct. That's that's the that's the application that I've put on it. Okay. That that's really dark. This is the one I can't disprove it. This is the one Tom Petty song lyrically that I've kind of really like sat on and tried to okay, okay, yeah, what is this too, yeah. what is this about? Because right. the other ones is pretty easy. The other to, ones are all just love songs, you know, yeah, basically. It's easy to see. Hmm. So, uh, we'll go ahead and move on to our fifth song. Oh, and it's Breakdown. Yes. And this was off their second album as well. First album. This was their first. Off the, self, okay. the self-titled first record. So this was one that I talked about earlier that's kind of like Chuck Berry guitar style. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's little guitar lines in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's very bluesy. Yep. Very, um, very smooth. Yep. Almost kind of has a bit of a jazz, like a smooth jazz tinge to it. Yeah. The drums are super chilled mm-hmm. and there are points where the rhythm section is completely cut out and it's just his voice and like the keyboards yeah oh the that is that i want, I want to say that's a fender Rhodes that he's playing i i um, type of keyboard like I, I don't know it's i'm pretty sure i know that sound it's it sounds almost like a hammond i mean if it but I say that about every keyboard, so it's probably not a Hammond. Yeah. No, I, I'm pretty sure it's not a Hammond. It's not an organ sound. It's more of like an electric piano. Ooh. Well, he could have just pushed all the bars in. Yeah, but I also, I feel like I know, that was a very 70s sound, keyboard-wise. Um, it's something that we'll talk about more when we get when we talk about our artists next week. Oh, yeah, next week. We're going to be talking tons about keyboards that we don't truly know about. <laughs> yep. Um, but this song just has a great moodiness to it. And I think it's a good change of pace from the songs we've heard up to this point. Mm-hmm. It kind of, uh, lets us breathe a little bit and kind of see, it's not, it's like, it's a half minutes. Yeah. It's a very yeah. short song, but it's, it's a, it's a nice little breath. Right. And interestingly enough, um, the Foo Fighters have played this at just about every show they've ever done. As a cover. Yep. That they've huh. kind of like almost like adopted the song as their own, because <laughs> they're. He, I mean, obviously Dave Grohl's a huge Tom Petty fan. That's why he featured him so prominently in his Sound City documentary. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which, if you guys haven't seen that, that's one of my favorite music documentaries of all time. Go check it out. I want to say it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, but yeah, the song it's very simple. Again, it's two and a half minutes. There's not a whole lot to talk about it, but. I really like this song. This is a song that I kind of never had heard until I dug deep into him after uh, he died. And was just like, ooh, yeah, I really like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then we get to go to a very triumphant end. Yes. So after Breakdown, you kind of got that slow song that really is almost sad a mm-hmm. little bit. It's literally called Breakdown. Yeah. Um. And then it goes into American Girl, which is our next song. And it instantly kind of brings the energy back up with the drum intro. Mm-hmm. And oh, whatever instrument comes next, I think it's the guitar comes next. No, the guitar comes first. The down, 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 Oh, yeah, you're right, you're but right. My favorite part of that whole intro is when the bass comes in the boo Oh, Yeah, which is the 
most major baseline. Oh yeah, in the world. But it's oh, so it's goodness. so good. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's great. It's it's a triumphant composition. Yeah, and it's actually the last song on the self-titled album. Okay. And it was the was it was it right after breakdown? No, breakdown's actually towards the beginning of the album. It's like the second song. Hmm. But yeah, this is put at the end of the. In my opinion, this is Tom Petty. When he was with the Heartbreakers, this was his definitive song. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the, kind of the song that that really became his legacy. And just kind of the song that defined him. Not lyrically, but just kind of like the song that's been associated with him. And in, in my mind, this is the... It's his anthem. This is the perfect album closer, show closer. Except for the... Um, echoing on the chorus. Oh, I like it though. I don't like it. It's oh, too. That's one of my favorite parts. Oh no! It's just it's it's not right. They cut into his vocal line a little bit too much, and it's just. I mean, it's just there for that one part. But I know. I don't, for me, that's like my favorite part to sing to. Uh, make it last, make it last all night. No. Uh, okay. I don't like it, but okay. Now, you, you don't have to like it, but <laughs> I just want you to know that I like it. Oh, okay. I see how it is. Okay. Um, but this this <laughs> is just, a, it's a song just full of hope. Yeah. And um, just really kind of showing, you know, at the, obviously at the beginning of their career, what Tom right. Petty's songwriting was going to be like. And whenever he died, and... N- Every year in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they usually always open the show with a tribute song to kind of like the big artist that passed away the previous year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like the year David Bowie died, they did Fame at the beginning. Right. Uh, The year that Chuck Berry died, they did, you know, Johnny B. Good to open up the show. And when Tom Petty died, the Killers came up on stage and did American Girl. I I think you... I remember you talking about that in a previous episode. Oh, man. I, like, almost cried whenever it came on. Because I kind of always think about it. It's like, okay, before the show starts, who are they going to... Yeah. Who are they going to do? And then I totally had forgotten that Tom Petty had died. And... uh, Because the cars were the... Or, no, not the cars. The killers were the ones that inducted the cars into the rock and roll hall of fame that year so they were there anyway Mm -hmm. and so and i i explained that in the killers episode that they had done that right i think i did either that or i did in the cars episode so go check out the cars episode in case i talked about it there yeah one of my favorite pop groups ever uh but they they start off the set and he you just the it says rock and roll hall of fame and you hear just here and Brandon Flowers was, like, the best person to sing that song. Mm-hmm. The Killers, mm-hmm. I feel like, were the best. They, they kind of almost are, like, spirituals. That's almost a killer song. It almost, Yeah. That's crazy. And that was such... that That's actually the song that... The time that made me fall in love with that song. Because mm-hmm. I kind of was just like, yeah, it's a pretty good song. But then I heard the Killers rendition of it, and kind of in the context of honoring and mm-hmm. remembering Tom Petty as kind of, you know, this is the song we're going to remember him and pay tribute to him through... Then I was just like, okay, I love this song now. Yeah, and that's what yeah. that's what sold me on it, and what made me realize that this was his this was his anthem, this was his defining song. I think the the best part of this song, I think, is the outro because it's the time that Mike Campbell kind of unleashes a little he bit. He does, and it, it's so sad that it's right before the fade out because there's some great like background vocal harmonies going mm-hmm. on. 
and then he kind of rips open a little bit and like does those weird pull-offs and i wish that lasted a little bit longer but you wish it could last all night yes a little bit i mean if if they had to make one song longer i think that would be it yeah and and which when they when they play it live they kind of they jam out that ending this this one was very close to being my favorite song but it had to be refugee just because i ended yeah. up singing that to that one refugee before. is just so good but yeah. american girl is close for me yep yep thanks killers for <laughs> pushing it up yep all right so those are our songs so we're going to take another break when we come back we're going to talk about the bonus song and then i'm very curious to hear grant's final thoughts so stick around we'll be right back welcome back everyone to the good music podcast we have been talking about tom petty and the heartbreakers here on this episode, we just finished talking about the songs, and just to recap, those songs were "Refugee," "I Need to Know," "Don't Do Me Like That," "Last" or "Mary Jane's Last Dance." <laughs> I almost said what the chorus actually says. Uh, "Breakdown" and "American Girl." Yep. So now it's time to talk about the bonus song. So, bonus song um, for those of you who have not listened to this podcast before is a song that is related related to the main artist. Um, by an artist that we wouldn't necessarily give their own episode, um, but it's of a similar style or a similar genre, or maybe this artist was featured on uh, this song in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of just something else to listen to and something else for us to talk about. And it's just a bonus for you guys, and it's yeah. a bonus for me. So, so um, I'm actually going to – I'm breaking the rules a tiny bit here because the bonus song is by Stevie Nicks. Yes. Her solo career, if you don't know, she was with uh, Fleetwood Mac, mm-hmm. main singer there. Uh, again, go check out our Fleetwood Mac episode. You'll learn all about Stevie Nicks there. Uh, but she is actually an artist that I would give a whole episode to. But hmm. this collaboration, I just couldn't pass it up. Okay. Because when I do have a Stevie Nicks episode, I want it to just be her and not a contain any duets okay i wanted to just because she actually was kind of famous for doing different duets with people right and um i wanted to save an episode for her of just her so and just you know i really want to talk about the song because it's really good (laughs) so uh the song if you haven't figured it out yet is stop dragging my heart around it was on stevie nick's debut solo record which was a huge record. Solo record. Yep. So, so this is when she... So she didn't leave Fleetwood Mac for this. Okay. This was just, again, kind of like Tom Petty did. She did this in between Fleetwood Mac records, just as a, as an outlet to channel her... Because she was not the only singer or songwriter in that in Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. Uh, she shared that duty with Lindsey Buckingham and Christine McVie. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times in their albums, she would only get like two or three songs on there. And she was just like, I have so many songs in me that I want, like, a full album of all my stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's why she decided to go solo. Okay. And just, again, kind of have more creative control to right. kind of write more of the songs that she wanted to write. And uh, the origin story of this song was that she uh, was, like, probably the biggest Tom Petty fan of the Mm-hmm. including all of his normal fans like mm-hmm. she was she constantly told tom petty if you asked me to i would leave fleetwood mac in a heartbeat and become one of the heartbreakers wow 
And Tom Petty just kind of was just like, mm, I appreciate that, but Fleetwood Mac needs you. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but guess. of course, you know, they were, they were very, very close friends. Right. But she just, she loved everything that he did. Mm-hmm. And she eventually approached him and was just like, I would really love to do a song with you. Mm-hmm. And so um, he wrote a song for her. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what that song ended up being, but it ended up not being this song because he ended up liking it so much that he was just like, uh, I kind of want to use this. Like, they still do edit on it together, but he was like, I want to use this on my album, and I think it's going to fit more with my material than it is with yours. And she, and she was just like, yeah, you're right, you know, let, but let's write another one. <laughs> and so they wrote another one, and that ended up being Stop Dragging My Heart Around. Mm-hmm. But all the instrumentation is the Heartbreakers. Okay. It wasn't Stevie Nicks Band. Hmm. And, um... They also helped produce her whole first record. Oh. And she says that she probably wouldn't have ever had a solo career had it not been for Tom Petty. This sounds mid-80s. It's early 80s. Early 80s. I want to say this was like 81, 82. Again, that's how how far ahead production-wise Tom Petty had gotten like recording instruments. Like it just Mm -hmm. sounded so pristine. Mm -hmm. He really led the way in. And how things there you go. Recorded. I led right into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, it, it, in my opinion, Stevie Nicks's voice on this one for the backing part when she does like those ooh mm-hmm. parts, not doing it for me. Both, both, both artists in this episode, both the bonus artist and the main artist, I feel like didn't have that great of a voice. Well. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I think they're both incredible vocalists now, that just have very different sounding. That's vocal- true. Now, now Steve, Stevie Nicks, like when she does her parts on like her actual mm-hmm. lyrical parts, I get that. That's great. And when they it blend works. their voices together on the yes. chorus, oh, yeah. it works so well. Yes, yeah, I'll agree with that. I will definitely. agree Their with voices that. were meant to go together. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh wow. Now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, Stevie Nicks is like pretty much considered like the premier rock goddess. Uh-huh. Like she's at the top of the of the heap with female rock uh, stars. Oh, uh, Nita Strauss is at the top. No. Yes, she is. No, she's not. <laughs> she is not nearly as well uh, as well respected and and acclaimed as Stevie Nicks is. Stevie Nicks was she was an OG, but she was she was an icon that transcended music. Pe- pe- oh, I see what you're saying. People, people that don't even know Fleetwood Mac know who Stevie Nicks is. She's just kind of become an icon that's that's past what she did musically and is just like a cultural icon in a way that only, I would ah. say probably only Janis Joplin is a more renowned female rock vocalist. Well, you could argue Janet Jackson. Rock. <laughs> Talking about Black Hat. That's she's a pop artist. <laughs> okay, fine. She's a pop artist. Fine, 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 fine. Um, it's the same way of arguing that Michael Jackson's a as a rock star. Yeah, he had beat it, but mostly he did pop. That's true. <laughs> um but she, I mean, that's that's pretty much is her title. She is right. the she is like the the mother of all the all of the rock goddesses. Yes, 
they all kind of look back to her and, and to Janis Joplin, but Janis Joplin yes. died a long time ago. Um, and also, Stevie Nicks became the first female artist to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame two times. Once for Fleetwood Mac and once for her solo career. Oh, No other okay. female artist has done that. So that also should show kind of what her acclaim is. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so... Yeah, I think all of these songs that, you know, those of you who are listening, you should definitely check them out. They will speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. There's only so much we can say about these songs um, as opposed to other episodes. One so. interesting thing to say about the lyrics of this song is that even though um, Stevie does the majority of the singing, the perspective is from the male perspective. Hmm. She's singing the man part. Mm-hmm. Because obviously I mean, Tom, Tom Petty, Tom Petty wrote, wrote it. it. Yeah. Um, but I just I think that that's a cool little flip on what you normally expect. Yeah. And it's it's this it's this uh, dominant figure kind of saying I'll I'll take you in you know I you know or at least kind of talking about the early days of the relationship just like I took you in you know I I gave I made you feel important. Now you're turning on me. Just mm-hmm. it's it's very much like normally. That's like what the man would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible that that can be from a female perspective, but Tom yeah. said that that's how he wrote it. Yeah, because originally they didn't know how they were going to split up the male female divide of who's going to sing what. Right. And they kind of later decided it sounds better Stevie singing most of the songs, and Tom just kind of coming in right. a little bit here and there. Yeah. So, let's uh, let's go ahead and get our final thoughts. All right. So before this, I didn't really listen to Tom Petty. Obviously, the only song I really knew of was Mary Jane's Last Dance. And I have a feeling you also you would also know some of his solo songs. Yeah, like Free Fallen. Yeah, everyone and, knows that song. And uh, there was another one you mentioned earlier. Running down a dream. No, but whatever. Um, I won't back down. Yep, that's the other one. Yeah, every, a lot of people. Know and um i had heard songs like don't do me like that before just didn't know what it was but didn't know it was tom petty only knew the chorus um and so listening to these songs was kind of interesting because it was kind of like a a, a wider perspective of something that i already knew about Mm -hmm. um but didn't realize i knew about it kind of like watching uh, the steve miller band or something yeah. Realizing how many songs he he's written. Oh, yeah. I love uh, that when that happens where I just go, oh, I forgot they did that. Oh, they yeah, did that. Yeah, that. Oh, they did that. that. That was this to me. Tom Petty and has one of the biggest collection of hit songs yeah, of any Yeah, you artist. said he was like the most selling or one of the most selling artists of all time. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think I said that in the episode, but I think that that's true. <laughs> yeah, and, and a lot of these songs have made it onto my on repeat Spotify playlists, so... That's good, because... I obviously I really, like him. I was really um, fearful that you were going to bash him. I, I've i learned not to, because I did that with U2, and a lot of their songs have made it onto my repeat list now. And I will... I will You're stepping... List, I'm, I'm stepping into a wider world of music. Yeah, because yeah, again, I was not listening to any of this stuff when I was your age. Yeah. Well, I wasn't this time a year ago. So this is great, because... A lot of the music that I'm listening to now is from this podcast. So um, this is another artist that I'll probably add to my repertoire. 
And we'll we'll come and back to well, I would say definitely the next time yeah. we talk about Tom Petty, we'll we'll look more into his solo career and look at see what songs that he did there. And yep. then uh, and then we'll probably go back to because there's some still some incredible songs that it pained me to not include, but I just yeah. I didn't have a place for them. Feel really bad for my dad listening to this podcast, knowing that I'm saying that I like some Tom Petty songs. <laughs> yeah, he was. But <laughs> uh, yeah, guy. Oh my goodness! As soon as he heard "Refugee" come on, he just left the room. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling. Fuss. I'm, I'm calling you out, guy. If we had done this podcast, if we recorded this podcast when we were originally going to last week, I, I would have had different thoughts. I'm glad then that we kind of yeah, delayed. That we that we delayed. Yeah. I think. I think it's going to be good for us to sit with these songs a little longer than we were. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I've, I'm picking the songs, so I've sit with them for much, much longer time. Yeah. Next, a little... next week's artist is doing that, too, to me. Yeah. So, so. I think it might... Some, some music does have to age a little bit. Not, yep. not every type of music is meant to, to give you that instant hit. Yep. There's plenty of songs that... I didn't start to like them until like the fourth or fifth listen. Mm-hmm. And then finally I'm going, okay, I'm finally starting to get this. Yeah. Yep. So, so anyway, that's, that's my final thoughts. Yeah. Mine, um, I've seen my appreciation and love for Tom Petty go up more and more over the last years, but I definitely saw a big jump. Yep. Researching. Particularly, this was the first time that I'd ever listened to some of his albums all the way through and not just listening <laughs> to select different songs. Um, particularly listening to Dan the Torpedoes all the way through right. was an incredible experience. And just kind of going just like, ooh, at some point I want to talk about this song. I want to talk about that song. Yep. Um, and just going like, um, just really kind of digging in deeper and also just learning more about his life, who he was as a person just my respect and my appreciation and my love for him really, really went up. Yeah. So I'm really glad that I picked him to research. Yeah, and, and hearing that stuff about taking on the record companies is kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I was just like, dude. Totally rock and roll, man. He was yeah. he was rock and roll. He just he was a little bit different. He wasn't Led Zeppelin rock and roll. Yep. He was his own brand, but he still was rock and roll. Yep. And he, and he will... Like, if you were to ask Tom Petty what kind of music you played, he just said rock and roll. Yep. That's what he loved. That's what he lived and breathed until mm-hmm. he breathed no more. Mm. So rest in peace, Tom rest Petty. Peace. You, you gave us some great music. Yep. Well, I feel like that's a good way to end that's this episode. That's a good episode. way to end this episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, please uh, give us a rating. Give us a review. Um, go check out uh, our Facebook page. I'm... Thinking that Instagram's going to be ready by the next time you hear us. So check out next episode if our Instagram is ready. I'm kind of ready to pull the trigger on that. So um, keep a lookout for that. And uh, go check out all of our previous episodes. I did a lot of plugging this uh, episode, especially if you are new, if like maybe this is your first or second episode listening to mm-hmm. us. Go check out our previous episodes. Um, right. Especially... Click on episodes that you don't know the band. Don't just look for your favorites. Obviously, listen to the ones that your favorites, but take yeah. some risks on some artists that you're unfamiliar with. I mean, I have to listen to all of them too, so. Yeah, I'm kind of. I'm, suffer with me, guys. Suffer? <laughs> Lord. Oh, um, and then uh, in every episode description, we have 
uh, a link to our Spotify playlist. So um, check out all the songs that we have available there. S- please be patient. Sometimes I forget to add the new songs before the new episode comes out. Yeah. I, I was really late on Led Zeppelin. I apologize if any of you guys were like, well, what the heck? He told me to go check out the songs and not there. Yeah. I'm going to try and be better about that. But if they don't immediately pop up, I promise I will put them up at some point. So, yep. um, uh, yeah, don't don't think that they're not there. They'll get there. Yep. But I, I'm going to try to do them at the correct time from now on. And we also have a link to uh, support the channel. So um, go ahead and if you feel compelled, if you want to uh, donate and contribute, then we would really appreciate it. And we'll also let you know if and when we get a Patreon page set up. I think that might end up being a better way moving forward. But yeah, so we've got a new episode coming out next Monday, 9 a.m. Central Time. And we've kind of already dropped a couple clues. A, yeah. Um, a Florida band that has lots of keyboards. Yep. So uh, you'll just have to wait and see what that band is. Uh, and until then, thank you so much for listening. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Keep on listening to good music.